Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches a sermon titled, You Do, or You Don't, or You Do, from James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. Instead of striving to fulfill God's desires apart from Jesus, embrace the truth that Jesus has already perfected the law through his love. He loves you unconditionally, so choose to receive his blessings and experience true freedom. As we put our beliefs into action, our faith becomes tangible, opening our eyes to the presence of Jesus throughout our lives. He was there for us in our childhood wounds and sends his saints to love us when we are broken. By growing in his grace, we also reveal his love to others. Embrace his fulfillment of the law, walk in freedom, and let your faith shine through your actions, knowing that Jesus is always with you. Uh, if you are new or visiting with us this morning, welcome. Uh, we, we believe three things at this church that happen all the time in the life of our church. We, we believe these things, uh, these are the truth that we see in Scripture. Uh, our churches are the vision and the mission and the direction of our church. The velocity of our church is determined by Isaiah 61, that God's Spirit has, an, has rested on this place so that we might become the people who would preach good news to the poor, who would set captives free. And that's why there's always hope beyond our brokenness. Always. Always, always, always. Because the moment that we feel broken, we get loved. And then the moment that that brokenness is healed, then we become the source of love and hope for another person. And that just keeps on going. And then what God does is that he... He plants roots in our lives, and later on in Isaiah 61, that passage says that he says he'll make us like oaks of righteousness, that his goodness, his righteousness is poured out into our lives, and that's why we trust in our risen Savior, because he's alive and he's here, and, and you were the miracle of the living, breathing Jesus to me as friend this week. Remarkable. And then we get to bring restoration right where we are. This is why we bind up the brokenhearted. This is why we love each other no matter where we are at. This is why all are welcome here. No matter where you are in your journey of faith, you belong to our family. None of us have it perfect. If you were looking for a perfect church, you wrecked it the moment you entered the door. <laughs> we have a saying here, no perfect people are allowed. It's true. It's because we believe that every day we get to choose to receive the hope that God gives us, to trust in Jesus who's very much alive, and then right where we are to bring restoration to the people within our reach. And we do those things all the time. We don't wait to be perfect. We don't wait to have enough. We do those in faith. We're going to be talking a lot about that today, what it looks like to do things in faith rather than waiting, 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 thinking that one day you'll be ready. So each day on Sunday, we make the choice to follow Jesus, and that's what faith is. It's making the choice to follow Jesus and to trust him because, well, is God smarter than you are? Yes. Is God more faithful than you are? Does God have more love than you do? And all of that is poured out upon you. And so gratefully we choose every day 
And we make this choice. And so if you'd like to, make the choice of faith with me today. And we're going to read this together. So today, just read the bottom part. Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. So can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts? That would be okay? I want to speak to the part of you that feels like, uh, man, I don't know exactly how this faith thing works. Now, I can't make you choose it, but I can, I can speak to your hearts, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll walk away today knowing what you need to do next, and that's all. So is that okay? Yes. So uh, before we pray, uh, let me just uh, give you a quick introduction. We're going to look at, we're, we're in the book of James. Now, James is one of the earliest New Testament letters that is written, Okay. And I think Paul learned something from James because James just comes right at the back and he says, out of the gate, and he goes, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And it feels like sometimes when we read the book of James, we think, where's the grace? And you got to understand, and Paul figured that out later in his writings, he would talk about what Jesus has done for you in grace, and then he would say, here's the outcome of that, right? And, and what... We have to remember in James's life, which everybody who knew James knew this already, that James's entire life was defined by grace. Uh, I, I made in jest the other day the comment, uh, oh, Jesus, his family thought he was crazy and he needed to take his meds. Uh, please know that I've taken meds for years, okay? So I don't want anybody to walk away thinking that's a bad thing. Continue to take your meds if you need your meds. And, and, I, and I, I, don't, I don't say that to make a joke. I mean it like, like real. In other words, it, the meds aside, everybody knew that James, when James saw Jesus, that James didn't believe or trust or think anything of his brother. It was just Jesus was the annoying older brother who once again did it right, and James did it wrong, but now he'd gone off the deep end, Okay and thought he was something more than he was. And then we read Paul's letter. Paul and James hung out a lot together, uh, the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and we read in Paul's letter to, Cor- to the church in Corinth that w- after Jesus' resurrection, of course, John and Peter are running to the tomb, and, and then the ladies see them. Ladies see Jesus first, then it's John and Peter Paul says something interesting. He says, and then Jesus appeared to James, and then all of the disciples. Now, you know all the, if you've been in church at all, you know that when he appeared to all of the disciples, that's the doubting Thomas moment where Thomas puts his hand in Jesus' side and touches the nail scars on his wrists. But he says he appeared to James first. James had a moment with Jesus separate and distinct from any other resurrection encounter. Why? Because he needed it. Because he was still on the fence. And by the way, life on the fence is painful. You jump off and then you jump back on. And ow. Then you jump off. Ow. And then you jump back on. Ow. James didn't, he, he, he was constantly doubting God. And he had an undeniable encounter with the risen Jesus, who is Savior of the world, both God and man. 
And if you walk away from an encounter with your brother and you think, actually, I think that's God in the, lip, in, in the flesh. Something undeniable and powerful has happened. Amen? So this is why James then starts his letter when he says, consider it all joy when trials come. Oh, because he's experienced the trials of doubt and unbelief. He knows that when you hold on to Jesus, that, you're, that you get perseverance, which is the ability to abide and then keep on abiding. We know that that produces joy in our life. We learn in those moments of trials to ask for wisdom because in every trial that we face, we have no idea what to do. And God isn't mad that you don't know. He just wants you to ask so that you get the experience of when the tornado's around you, you get a deposit from heaven of love and wisdom and hope. Like Kurt preached last week, our Heavenly Father is never ashamed of you when you're tempted. Never, ever. That the place of emptiness in our temptation in our lives is not a moment for you to be ashamed or to condemn yourself, but it's a moment to say, oh, I'm living apart from God. No, no, no. I'm living as though I have to do this alone. And in that emptiness of the temptation is the invitation for you to say, Jesus, could I do this with you? Could I, have, could I find comfort with you? Could I, could I deal with my fears with you so that I have hope? I'm feeling empty and I need to be filled up. And instead of numbing with this thing that I know is harmful, Jesus, would you fill me up and could we do this comfort thing together? Does that make sense? Instead of being angry and resentful and hurting, Jesus, I need you to see that I'm hurt and I need to hand this person over to you. Could we do this together, Jesus? That's the invitation. So as James continues, he understands that he's writing to a group of people who've really been hurt. Can you imagine if after this service, the county of San Luis Obispo said, we're outlawing all Christians. You have 30 days to sell all of your possessions, all of your property, all of your business, say to goodbye to all your friends, and you have to move to Bakersfield. Right? Right? I know, Lori. That's why I made the joke. Right? Back to hell we go. Uh, and Sorry. Y'all are here, right? I mean, we're just making that clear, right? Okay. So when you've lost everything, when you've lost everything... Um, it's really easy to get angry and mad at God for something that other people have made it. And God's like, I didn't make that choice. They did. I'm, I haven't left you in the middle of the suffering. I'm with you in it. And so James wants to, he knows what it's like to be hurt because James also lost everything when he was kicked out. And now he's writing to people just like him who've been hurt by life, who are angry because of it and have a choice to make. Am I going to move forward and operate in anger, or am I going to make the choice to operate and live trusting Jesus? That's where we're going today. So can I pray for you? 
So Jesus, we just bind and mute any kind of anger that's here now in the name of Jesus. Because when I read these verses, God, I first got angry. So Lord, help us open our ears and our eyes. And we give you permission, Jesus, to speak to our heart of hearts, to move us and change us and transform us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's read together. James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Plato, the ancient Greek philosopher, said that the ratio of our speaking to our listening should be the ratio of our ears to our mouth. Just in case you didn't know that, that means you should listen twice as much as you speak. (laughs) The ancient Jewish rabbis said that their ears are open and unguarded, but only our tongue is guarded by a rose of sharp, pointy things so that we can restrain it. (laughs) Listening, truly listening to what a person says and what they say is a superpower. If you ever get to talk to Debbie, she's one of the best listeners I've ever met in my entire life, a minister of razzle-dazzle. She listens to what you say and what you don't say. She truly listens to you. It's remarkable. We don't often take the time to actively listen, to tell the person, wait a minute, is that what you said? Is that how you're feeling? Did I hear you correctly? Oftentimes what we do is we just assume what they're feeling or we assume what they said. And then if you say it back to them, half the time they'll go, I didn't say that at all. Why does James tell us to listen more and talk less in the same sentence as anger. Why does he glump anger with talking less and listening more? Why? Because if you're angry, you're not listening at all. We get blind and deaf when we get angry. That's why it's called blind rage. We want to be right when we're angry, and we get loud to make our point, and we're not interested in listening to what the other person says. We just want them to listen to us now. (laughs) Make sense? Now, anger is a normal human emotion. It's an emotion that God has. He's given it to you, and anger has one sole purpose. And it is to move you quickly to defend someone who's irreplaceably precious. And that's it. That's the function of anger. It's to get you to go, that's wrong. I'm going to do something about it. Anger is not the tool that we use to change people. It does not work. It's a great tool for defense. It is the worst tool for offense. Make it a sense? No one listens to you when you're screaming. They don't. When you're screaming, you know what they're thinking? How, what do I say to make them stop screaming? I'm sorry, you're right. Yes, I know I didn't mean it. And they'll go, then after time, they'll think they'll know that you're just trying to escape what the wrath, and then they'll scream even louder. How could you even say that? And then if you have the courage to say it, you'll go, because I'm tired of you yelling at me. <laughs> and now they're no longer yelling at you. They're now no longer listening to you. Then it's just, you see what I'm saying? 
No one listens to you when you're screaming. When you give in to anger, it feels delicious to be right. Oh. Feels like just savory to get your point across. Ah! Pow! Got him. Poo! Bullseye! Yes! So tasty. Ah, oh, fulfilling to be justified. Oh, I'm right. Oh, they're wrong. Yeah. Appetizing to punish the wrongdoer with your words or your actions, especially as Christians when we get away with it by being super nice <laughs> and tricky. We slice their tires when no one's looking. Or we withhold things. And we curse them under our breath. So nice to see you, you <laughs> Ah. Frederick Buchner writes this, the chief drawback to anger is that what you're wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. Like when you give in to anger, you're not listening. When you give in to anger, you're not healing. When you give in to anger, you're not changing anything. Anger is the fire that burns, and it only burns you first and then everyone that you touch. It turns your empathy to ashes. It burns and chars your love. It, it makes your humility and your compassion turn to nothing. It, it, it ultimately operating in anger destroys all of your relationships. I have a dear friend um, who I've loved for 12, 13 years now, and he, he, he's always struggled with his anger, and this last week he said, I'm done with you, Andy. And just because he was angry, that's okay. That's his choice. He broke up with me. <laughs> okay, great. But that's what anger does. Always, anger destroys and ends relationships. The moment that I read this verse, right, of be slow to speak and slow to anger and quick to hear, I thought to myself, I'm, I'm, I got mad. <laughs> Why, why did I get mad? Because I don't want to be slow to anger. I want others to be quick to hear my pain and affirm that I'm right in being justified as a victim to do whatever I want. And that's an emptiness, a wound, a place of absence that Kurt talked about last week that I'm trying to fill with my anger. It's an invitation for me to invite Jesus into that emptiness. But if I invite anger in first, Jesus will respect my decision and he'll wait until that fire is burned. And James is inviting us to actually talk about the hard things in our life with each other and God without anger being the first tool that we use. Look, I know what it feels like to be abandoned. I know what it feels like to be crushed by others. I know I've spent decades doing everything I can do to love and help and serve, and I'm getting little love in response. I know what that feels like. I know what worthlessness feels like. I know what shame and hopelessness does to your soul. And I'm telling you that talking about these wounds is not easy, but living with anger is so much harder. And I want us the church, as a church to have the kind of friendships here 
and the kind of encouragement here that we could talk about the hard things in our life honestly. Because this is not the place where we paint the religious fence of I'm fine, you're fine, Jesus has the victory, I never have to go through a hard thing in my life again, hogwash. Yes, Jesus does have all the victory, so talk about it. Talk about the hard things so that he can have the victory in the hard things. Pretending that you're fine just means that you're pretending that you're freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, (laughs) and that no one can see it while everybody walks away going, they really need to talk about their stuff. (laughs) I was having lunch with new visitors this last week, and one of them said to me, I just... I recognize that it's easy for me to not be involved in a church, but I recognize in that there's a a poverty in never being vulnerable, and I want to be vulnerable. You've been hurt. You've gone through so much. And it takes courage. So instead of talking all the time, It also takes courage to listen to your own hurts. Because this verse doesn't just apply to about your outward behavior to others. It also applies about you listening to what's going on in your own heart. And not being angry at yourself that you have wounds, but being compassionate. April and I have been in counseling for over a year and a half, and and we've been talking about what's happened to us in the last 25 years in marriage. And uh, many of the wounds that I have have come from April. And (laughs) it's true. Am I right, April? Yeah. I mean, I asked her permission before sharing this. Like, she knows I'm talking about this. Calm down, y'all. <laughs> Golly. And my counselor reminds us every time, before I'm about to share, he says, she says, Andy, um, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. Don't be angry. April can't hear you when you're angry. But if you're vulnerable, she can hear you. And, and so I'm, I've been practicing vulnerability so she can hear me. And actually, when I'm vulnerable, I can hear me. Does that make sense? If you're the person listening to a friend or spouse or child who's being vulnerable, listen. Truly listen. Don't have your response ready so that you're right. The gift of their vulnerability is profound. Listen. Even if they're angry, still listen. Tell them what you're hearing so that there's intimacy and connection that's created. What James says next is tied to us being angry and not listening. He says this, verse 21. Read this with me. Therefore, put away all filthiness and receive with humbleness the implanted word. Why the heck does he say that next? It feels so disjointed. But it's not. Why? Because when we operate in anger, we feel justified to do anything that we want. After all, I've been the victim, so I deserve reparations. And that means I get to do whatever it is that I want. 
So I can numb myself, I can eat, I can spend, I can drink, I can look, I can, I, I can do anything that I want. I have a get-out-of-jail-free card because I've been hurt and I'm angry. And the combo of eating and numbing and like we eat and then we, and we watch TV, we look at porn, we eat, we like that combo there, that Amer distinctly American combo is because we're angry. And we feel justified in doing whatever it is that we want. And James says, be humble enough, be meek enough to actually receive what God has already planted within you, the word, which is Jesus himself. The word which can bring you to life, which has already given you life. Be humble enough when you're struggling, when you feel justified to do whatever you want, to receive Jesus himself. And it takes courage and humility to slow down enough in our anger to feel the pain and then to invite Jesus in. And he has words of life for you, words to save you, words that sound like this. I love you right where you are. I'm not angry with you. I see your pain and your hurt. Offer it to me. Let me heal you. I have a way forward for you. Let me show you who I've given to you the opportunities I have for you. Wait with me in hope and faith. I've got you. Trust me. I'm working for you. Can you read this last one with me? I can see your mistakes just like you can, but I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not going anywhere. Give that shame or feelings of worthlessness to me. Receive my love and acceptance. And like I say all the time, I can't preach faith into you. It's your choice. I can't pray for you. I can't be like, hey, 6 a.m., let's go. We're having a quiet time together. Go ahead, pray. Do it. Go. Now. Go. Go. Do it. Go. Do it. Pray. Trust. Go. Do it. Like I don't have a tool from Home Depot to make your heart trust. If I did, I'd like own a thousand of them. Just get an assembly line. It's your choice. It's your choice to let Jesus into the place of your emptiness. It's your choice to let Jesus do his job and accept your limitations and also their free will. It's your choice. So make the choice. Or as Nike says, just do it. This is why James says next, verse 22, Read this with me. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Oh, that's my favorite. Yo, yeah, I love God. I go to church. I'm amazing. I don't do anything he says, but I love him. I know all these principles and truths, but I apply none of them to my life. Don't do what I do. Do what I say. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Read with me. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was looked like. Like, if you describe yourself as a person of faith who loves Jesus and then you never do anything, you never actually choose to have faith, 
but you just keep on choosing self-reliance. You never invite Jesus into the emptiness, but you say, I've got it. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. You've told me to pray, Andy. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. But I'm not going to do it. But I know. I mean, I know, but I'm not. Would you stop trying to I know. Back off. I know. I know. Let me just try it again. My, I know. I, I mean, I know. You'll think to yourself, oh, I know. But then you'll be unrecognizable. You won't even remember who you are. People will describe you, and you'll think they're talking about somebody else because you won't understand that not doing faith, not praying, not trusting, not inviting Jesus in actually has consequences, and it changes you and others. James then encourages us, verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets, but a doer who acts, they will be blessed in their doing. So instead of trying to obey apart from Jesus, instead of trying to operate apart from Jesus in our disobedience, understand that Jesus has already perfected the law in you by loving you when you were an absolute twit and didn't deserve it. Like when God rescued Israel out of slavery, he didn't say, stop being slaves. Pray harder and you can get out. What's with all this disobedience? If you just had faith, you wouldn't let Pharaoh rule you. No, what he does is says, let my people go. And then he lets them go and he delivers them from bondage into freedom. And that's called grace and mercy. And then he says, let me teach you how to be a human being rather than a slave. Does that make sense? So the perfect law or how God transforms us isn't by telling us what to do so that we would then do it apart from him. He loves us perfectly first, and then he joins us in the doing. You never operate faith alone. It's always, Jesus, let's do this together. He loves you, so receive it now. Take a breath. Receive it. Take Jesus with you today as you love others. Ask for restraint when you need to be quiet and slow down. I do this all the time. Why? Because my friends tell me, slow down. (laughs) Ask for Jesus to remove your anger and give you compassion instead. That's called perseverance when you do those things. Then you won't forget who you are and you won't forget whose you are. You will be blessed. Verse 26, we'll end here. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Two, read with me, 
Visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. We aren't, we are people who don't just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. We're people who actually love well. We show up, we do something, we care. We choose to be vulnerable, we pray. And as we do, this is crazy. As we do, two things happen. The people who need to be loved the most are loved, and they're loved powerfully, and they're taken from depths of hurt and need into places of joy and healing. That's the first thing that happens, and it's happening here. (laughs) And the second thing that happens is that when you show up to worship, you start worshiping. Because you realize through all of these stories and all of these moments that Jesus has been with you through it all, every step of the way. And so we just cry out, all my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. And it's happening here. We had a women's event last night. Sandra comes up to Kim. They're sitting next to each other right now in the front row. And Sandra says to Kim, you look like my friend who I went to Cal Poly with 40 years ago. And Kim says, Sandra? (laughs) And they start weeping together. How's that possible? The other night, I'm praying And God says to me, Andy, Jimmy helped you move here in 2005. Now, Jimmy and Juan, they help lead Celebrate Recovery. You can't miss Jimmy. He's 6'7". He sits in the front row. Right? Wave your hand, Jimmy. So I said to Jimmy on Friday, I said, Jimmy, do you know when you moved, did you move people when you were a mover? And he goes, yeah, I did 3,000-mile cross-country trips, which is Jersey to California. And I said, did you work with a short Portuguese guy? And he goes, you know Jeff? (laughs) And I said, Jimmy, when you moved here, like when you you did your last move, I know that you did a cross-country move and then you stayed in the Central Coast because the shipment got delayed and you had to stay here an extra week and that's what made you move to to, to, to this area. And I said, when I got moved here, um, a short Portuguese guy and a six foot seven, very good looking, tall, beautiful black man moved me. <laughs> they, they loaded up all of my furniture into the truck and then they moved me. And Jimmy goes, That was you? <laughs> and I said, That was me. How is it that Jesus brought Jimmy and I in the place of uh, some deep, profound pain, both to the Central Coast and then 13 years later? the connection is made. How is that possible? Here, wait, 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 wait. Here's how it's possible. Because when God said to go, Jimmy said yes. He didn't just say, oh, God, thanks for talking to me. He actually did it. And now we're both here after seasons of disobedience into a season of, and I'm not talking about Jimmy, I'm talking about me. (laughs) Now we're finally here listening to God and obeying just like you are, and together we are unstoppable. Unstoppable. 
The blind are being set free and able to have their eyes open. The weary are being, their hearts are being healed. The broken are being put, tack, put back together again because the spirit of the Lord is here on you and he loves you. And so listen and do what he's asking you to do today. Let's pray. Father, we adore you, and we lay our lives before you. Thank you for loving us. We love you. Jesus, we adore you, and we lay our lives before you. Thank you for loving us. We love you. Holy Spirit, we adore you and we lay our lives before you. Thank you for loving us. We love you. Jesus, bless and seal these good things in the hearts of my friends here today. Renew them, restore them, and we just pray against all the plans the enemy has to rob, steal, and destroy the good things that you've done here today in them. And I pray today for every father in this room, every man that has wanted to be a father, for every person in this room has had a difficult father, I pray today would be a day of renewal and joy and restoration and resurrection. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, if you would like prayer, you can come forward. We will pray for you. Would you, give, would you receive the benediction? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and, and may he lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And now we have pulled pork sliders for you. Go eat. God bless you guys. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.